From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm your host, Amanda Icone. Earlier this year, accounting firm BDO overtook its competitors to become the largest auditor of companies listed in the UK. Big four firms still dominate the audit market among Britain's largest companies, but BDO's rise is a symptom of the changing regulatory landscape there. The country is still trying to reform regulation of the audit industry, while also struggling to ensure accounting standards and qualifications are recognized by the EU post-Brexit. This all comes in the wake of major auditing scandals in the UK, where numerous companies collapsed despite receiving a clean bill of health from their auditors. Michael Kapoor, a London correspondent for Bloomberg Tax and Accounting, joined me to discuss the progress the UK has made toward its pledge of audit reform. I think it's quite an emphatic shift. I mean, this is the first time a firm from outside of the big four has been the largest auditor of UK-listed companies. Pretty unthinkable even a year or two ago. So it's been quite an emphatic shift. It's been driven by European and UK attempts to improve the auditing market. I think there have been two distinct initiatives there, actually. I think, firstly, the European Commission decided to clamp down on auditing and conflicts of interest between auditors and their audit clients. Um, after the financial crisis, when everyone, of course, said, well, why the heck weren't the auditors flagging their problems with the banks in advance? So they actually launched some reforms which kicked in in 2016, which is probably actually in many ways the immediate driver of the shift we've seen in the UK audit market and BDO's recent success. Then the UK itself, after a series of very large audit scandals, has just said enough We're going to change things, we're going to beef up legislation, we're going to actually allow some other firms into this audit market and improve audit quality standards. And again, that has stalled for political reasons. The government hasn't yet passed any legislation, though it's promised to do so, because of a series of events, Brexit, an election, now Covid. But actually the threat of reform is making firms change and in more concrete terms, the existing regulator, the Financial Reporting Council, has actually said, fine, while we wait for legislation, we're going to plough ahead and toughen things up a bit. And again, that's increasing the, the, the risks and the amount of work for the big four, encouraging them to shed some audit clients, again, opening the door to BDO. So in concrete terms, not much has happened about the UK pledges of audit reform yet. Um, In reality, enough is changing on the ground to lead to a bit of churn in the auditor market. So I want to circle back to what's happening in terms of concrete regulatory changes in a minute. But let's talk about the big four response. You mentioned that they're shedding audit clients. What other steps have they taken to respond to this tougher, um, what they expect to be tougher oversight, what is beginning to be tougher oversight. Remind us what the big four response has been so far. Um, The big four response has been to do what they've been forced to do and not much else is the short answer. Um, I think they're doing two things. I think firstly, the level of regulatory fines has increased significantly. And that means that they are shedding audit clients that they feel would simply bring too big a risk of them of them being sued, actually. I think a classic example of that was Sports Direct, a big retailer, um, whose previous auditor actually was Grant Thornton, and they sprung a huge tax bill on Grant Thornton 
just before they were due uh, to announce their results. Complete chaos had to had to uh, delay the, the results announcement. And Grant Thornton dropped them after that as an audit client. All of the six biggest firms, including the big four, refused to audit them. So they actually ended up being audited by a second tier firm. Michael, tell me more about the clients that BDO is picking and what that tells us about the clients that they are also avoiding. It's a good question. And to be clear, and in fairness to BDO, it's not picking up the dodgy companies. I think there are only really six companies or six accounting firms in this country that can handle these big audits. The big four, EY and uh, Grant Thornton and BDO. Some could uh, add Mazar, the French firm, to that list. The sort of dodgy companies I was talking about, all of those six firms flatly refused to touch. There are other examples such as Forexpo. Forexpo, which is a Ukrainian mining company in effect, Deloitte dumped it, I think it was Deloitte, dumped it as an audit client. None of the big six would would touch it. Ended up being audited by a small firm. Therefore, one of the big concerns being voiced by the big auditors is, well, look, what this sort of reform is going to end up doing is forcing dodgy big companies that need a very big sophisticated auditor into the hands of pretty lousy little firms who aren't up to it. Well, picking up on your the theme of competition, policymakers have been trying to increase competition among the audit firms in the country. The thought that being that greater competition, of course, could in theory lead to more aggressive or at least more effective auditing. What else is the government doing to get that message through to to shape the market? Are there other efforts? Are there other rule changes that the FRC has taken in lieu of more permanent legislation? Well, the government has promised legislation, and there's a lot of talk in the market that it might say something this month or next month, although I think the latest lockdown because of COVID might derail that temporarily. Um, But I mean, I think after the collapse of Carillion, a big outsourcing company in 2018, there was a really damning parliamentary report. And this was a very high profile case because it did a lot of work for the government and lots of coverage of half-built hospitals and so on being abandoned because of Carillion's collapse. And there was a really damning parliamentary report into that slamming the auditors, saying why didn't they give any warning it was likely to collapse, slamming auditing standards, slamming the, the level of, uh, of, of audit regulation, saying, look, it's simply not tough, tough enough. And so that led to a series of parliamentary inquiries into the audit market, leading to several reports, three in total. Um, and they actually recommended some pretty, pretty big changes, actually, as we've been discussing, talk about making the uh, the big accounting firm split their audit and consulting side, basically to stop them selling consulting services to audit clients and uh, therefore giving a soft audit opinion. Completely new regulator with parliamentary backing, able to actually sanction people other than accountants. Some quite wide-ranging discussions about making the audit report uh, more widely relevant, actually, so that it was aimed not just at professional investors, but at other so-called stakeholders, such as the workforce and suppliers, and actually trying to insist that uh, much wider parts of the, much more of the annual report is audited. At the moment, it's only the past year's financial statements. They're saying actually everything from sustainability reporting 
to uh, management estimates of, of, of future performance and strategy need to be audited as well. So these are all pretty big reforms and the government has said it will legislate on them. Um, but that hasn't happened yet for purely political reasons, actually. The UK's audit crisis seems to mirror what the US went through after accounting scandals involving Arthur Anderson clients, Enron and WorldCom. Right, the US set up a, a new audit regulator, enacted tougher auditor independence rules, corporate governance measures. This all sounds very similar to the steps that the UK is now considering. And really, in some ways, of course, it's a fairly direct parallel because what you're seeing are massive audit scandals leading to calls for change and indeed to split off the consulting side, which was clearly one of the major impacts of the Enron and Anderson scandal. And I think the problem is that things were supposed to be sorted out after Enron. The big firms were supposed to be barred from consulting. What did they do? Well, some of them just carried on. Some of them got out of consulting and then have built up their arms. And in this in this country, in the UK, some of the big four, you know, about 80% of their revenues or more, now come from consulting, not auditing. So they have become squarely consulting firms. What that means, in the bad old days anyway, is that they could treat, allegedly, um, audit clients um, as being a loss leader for consulting business. So it's that same vicious circle which we're still trying to break because actually the reform efforts so far have not worked. You mentioned earlier the impact of Brexit and the pandemic on the reform process um, above and beyond the political will to enact legislation. Talk about that. I mean, how has uh, Brexit, which has been an ongoing existential crisis perhaps <laughs> for the UK government. There's been an election in the middle of this that's changed the politics on Brexit. Um, but And then, of course, we have COVID in 2020. How have these two crises impacted the ability of the government to even focus on audit reform? I think that's the point, actually. I think it's important to remember there was a, a strong political consensus behind audit reform. So it was proposed by the then Conservative government. It was backed strongly by late by the opposition Labour Party, which actually called for much uh, stricter or, or more wide-ranging reforms than the Tories, the Conservatives, were proposing. And actually the Lib Dems, the third big party, supported it as well. So there's across-the-board political support for audit reform, whatever form it takes. So I think really the impact of Brexit and Covid and all the rest of the disasters we've had over here is that it's simply taken up all of parliamentary time and effectively paralysed all other areas of politics and policy. So the government is not saying we're not going to do audit reform. It's saying we can't find the parliamentary time to force this through because we've got to do yet another Brexit vote or uh, sort out the, the latest COVID crisis. Do you expect the government to take any additional action? I mean, is it, this doesn't sound like it's slated for a vote in Parliament anytime soon. I mean, so what what's next? Is, is it all on the FRC to um, crack down on the audit industry? I think the FRC itself would say that it doesn't have any sort of power to enact audit reform. What it can do is toughen things up to a certain extent. Bigger fines are a classic example of that. Increased monitoring would be another example of that. Um, 
But the bigger reforms being talked about, whether it's changing the scope of auditing, so you have to audit more parts of the annual report, or whether it's setting up a new, more powerful regulator, indeed splitting off the audit and, con the audit and consulting side, the FRC can't do that. And that's why the audit consulting split was rather weak, because it had to be a voluntary agreement by the big four, and they can walk away from it if they don't like it. So I think people are expecting the government to do something at some stage. Um, the talk until this latest lockdown was that something would happen in November this month. Um, probably in a rather more muted form than would have been the case a year or two ago, but setting in wheels the motions of reform. So I think the reforms will happen. I think they'll be softer than was originally being talked about. I don't think this issue will go away, and I think if the government fudges this, then we might well see another uh, round of audit reforms in a few years' time. That was Michael Kapoor, London correspondent for Bloomberg Tax and Accounting. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. And if you have any thoughts about today's podcast, reach out to us on Twitter. We use the handle at tax. That's at T-A-X. Talking Tax is produced by me, Amanda Icone, and David Schultz. Kathy Larson is our editor. Thanks for tuning in to Talking Tax. From Washington, I'm Amanda Icone. We chanted, we work, we work, and then we hit a gong. We'll take you inside the company with interviews from people who helped build WeWork and exclusive tapes of internal meetings. None of us want to look back and say, I could have done more. This could have been bigger. This could have been better. That's not acceptable. You do not get a chance like this again. None of us do. This is a new podcast from Bloomberg Technology called Foundering. <laughs> 